88K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. The MTR Corporation and the main contractor are taken to task over the scandal-plagued shot into Central Link project. Hong Kong may have had its first local COVID-19 case in more than three weeks and more elderly and self-employed workers stand to benefit from the government's wage subsidy scheme. A government-appointed commission of inquiry has concluded that the scandal-plagued chart into Central Rail Link is safe for use, even as it found serious deficiencies in how the MTR Corporation and contractor Leighton managed and supervised the project, Richard Pine reports. For the inadequacy of the project management uh, in the past, I offer my sincere apologies. The MTR Corporation CEO Jacob Cam acknowledged the railway's management failures for the $90 billion project. But the probe also found that despite poor workmanship and management problems, the new link is safe for use, meaning the MTR can now proceed to finish the cross-harbour line linking Hong Hom to Wan Chai and Admiralty by 2022. It found that only around 2-3% to of steel rebars at Hong Hom Station had been improperly cut. But the inquiry said the government should have discovered the problem much earlier and a new department should be set up to monitor future rail projects. Transport Minister Frank Chan said that's already on the cards. Future railway projects will be handled in, in a very serious and well-managed manner. But this may not be the end of the saga. Part of the report was redacted due to pending criminal investigations and possible prosecutions. The Commission of Inquiry says government staff will rely on visual inspections when it comes to future monitoring. But a transport expert, Hung Wing Tat, says that's not good enough. The main issue is that they lost a lot of those, those site inspection forms. The laden and also uh, MTRC was of the view that it is a very tedious work because it's all paperwork. Now, for site inspection, I would think that nowadays you have a lot of um, digital devices. So you don't need a really physical form. You can have the digital form. You can have all these detectors, sensors on the site. Sources say a 66-year-old woman with no recent travel history has tested positive for COVID-19, according to preliminary results. The woman will be treated at Princess Margaret Hospital. If confirmed, it would snap Hong Kong's 22-day-long streak of no locally transmitted cases. Health authorities have said a 35-day period is needed to show the local transmission chain has been broken. As of yesterday, Hong Kong had 1,047 confirmed COVID-19 cases. Four people have died from the virus. The government says it's fine-tuned a wage subsidy scheme aimed at protecting jobs amid the coronavirus outbreak, further benefiting elderly and self-employed staff. Employers of anyone who still has an MPF account, even if they're no longer putting in any money, would now be eligible for the subsidy. This is expected to benefit about 60,000 people over the age of 65. And self-employed workers no longer need to have an active MPF account to be eligible for a $7,500 handout. A three-week application period will start on the 25th of this month and employers or self-employed individuals can submit their applications online. The pro-business Liberal Party welcomes the revised package, saying it can better help firms secure jobs. Still, party lawmaker Peter Shu believes more can be done to help self-employed workers. Because some of the industry, their practice, they don't have, have the MBF. Uh, for those staff, like the uh, hair salon, the beauty industry, and uh, the property uh, agents, 
they don't have uh, MPF usually. So uh, for those kind of the industry, I would like to ask government if they can support special subsidies like um, $80,000 for their company and share with their staff. Then maybe help for those uh, people who didn't have any MPF. A top unionist insists many needy, low-income workers don't stand to benefit from the scheme. Carol Ng, chairwoman of the Confederation of Trade Unions, says it's being abused by some firms, resulting in staff being shortchanged. The workers have been put on unpaid leave in between um, January to April. Um, the uh, company is still manipulating these headcounts um, to apply for these uh, subsidies. These actual work for these workers have been put on the unpaid leave, been replaced by a cheaper labour. So um, the um, employer actually able to apply for this sum of money, but the one who actually assisting them to apply for this money cannot enjoy the actual benefits. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The government wants lawmakers to pass the National Anthem Bill before the summer recess. Officials plan to table the bill to the LegCo's full council on the 27th of this month. In a letter to lawmakers, Chief Secretary Matthew Chern said the bill should be given priority, saying it would expire if it cannot be passed before the break. But the convener of the pro-democracy camp, Tanya Chan, says the government has clearly not learned a lesson, despite almost a year of street protests. The public have experienced the expedition bill last year and totally understand who should be responsible for all the chaos and the problems arising from that saga. And today we have again see that our government ignore our demands. Pro-government lawmaker Priscilla Leung from the Business and Professionals Alliance says this is the last chance to enact the anthem bill by way of legislation. She cited Article 18 of the Basic Law as saying that the SAR government can actually promulgate a law listed in Annex 3 of the mini-constitution without going through the legislative process. It is left to the hands of the legislative councillors, which I think in particular addressed to the opposition legislators. If they give up this opportunity or if they deliberately rule out this opportunity, so the other option is very clear. The police chief says a panel will be set up to help improve the integrity of officers. Chris Tang says he felt ashamed with the arrests of officers over recent drug trafficking, misconduct and assault cases. And he acknowledged that the treatment of journalists during the protests on Sunday was undesirable. When they were pepper sprayed, ordered to kneel down and told to stop recording. The police commissioner will meet with media groups next week to hear their grievances. Some of the scene that uh, um, how we deal with the uh, reporters is not desirable. We have to look into the cause and see how we can further improve. And that's the reason why we will have a meeting next week with the uh, relevant associations. The chief executive has dismissed suggestions that a review of the liberal study subject would necessarily lead to a complete overhaul. The curriculum has been blamed by many pro-establishment figures for fueling months of unrest here. Here's Carrie Lamb. I suppose the most um, uh, talked about subject is uh, liberal studies because this subject, unlike English, Chinese or mathematics, was introduced 10 years ago and there have been a lot of uh, discussions on whether it should have a curriculum, whether there should be uh, textbooks and how it should be taught in schools and so on and so on. So uh, I am uh, awaiting 
the uh, task force uh, to submit a report to, to the government and then we'll decide uh, the way forward. But of course, in deciding the way forward, we will have to look at whether it, uh, the study, the liberal study subject is uh, meeting the original objectives of creating this uh, subject uh, about 10 years ago. Authorities in Macau have refused permission for an annual photo exhibition of the Tiananmen Square crackdown for the first time in three decades. As Vicky Wong reports, activists are accusing the government of stifling free speech. Macau's dwindling community of democracy supporters have marked the June 4 anniversary of Beijing's bloody crackdown against protesting students every year since 1989 with a small vigil and an outdoor photo exhibition. The organisers of the event, the Democratic Development Union, said permission was initially granted for the exhibition this year by the city's Municipal Affairs Bureau. But in a sudden U-turn, that approval was rescinded with authorities citing new administrative rules governing how public spaces can be used. The organisers posted on social media that they have always been happy to cooperate with the Bureau and follow any instructions, adding that nothing unpleasant has happened before and we have not brought any annoyance to the government or residents. Opposition groups have accused the authorities of stamping down on political discussion, but local media reports say the head of the Municipal Affairs Bureau has denied the decision was political. Mainland authorities say they're planning to test the entire population of Wuhan, 11 million people, after a cluster of new coronavirus cases there. Wuhan, the original epicentre of the virus, has been gradually reopening. The BBC's Stephen MacDonald has more from Beijing. Wuhan had gone down to zero official coronavirus infections. Then in recent days, a new cluster re-emerged. A patient previously deemed to be asymptomatic developed symptoms, then infected five others. China's Communist Party mouthpiece, The People's Daily, is now reporting that in response, the government is planning to test all 11 million citizens living there over a 10-day period. Singapore is allowing some businesses to reopen as it begins to ease lockdown measures introduced last month. Is the BBC's Karishma Vaswani. Singaporeans will be allowed to get haircuts and buy their favourite cakes at the bakery. Home-based food businesses, pet supply stores and laundry services can also reopen their doors. But the easing of restrictions is being carefully controlled. Businesses have to ensure their customers virtually check in using a government application so that authorities can contact trace better in the event of new cases. Singapore had initially been praised for its gold standard success in controlling the coronavirus but it was forced to put in place a partial lockdown after a massive outbreak amongst its low-paid migrant workforce. Iran is temporarily reopening all mosques today in its latest step towards lifting coronavirus restrictions. The move comes despite a rise in infections. This report from the BBC's Stephen Jensen. Iranian officials say the decision to reopen all the country's mosques was made in consultation with the health ministry. They'll be open for three days, commemorating specific nights during the holy month of Ramadan. Ceremonies will be restricted to two hours, with attendees wearing masks and gloves while observing social distancing. Mosques were shut almost two months ago when the virus outbreak began, although some reopened last week in low-risk areas. As Iran seeks to ease restrictions on normal life, there are also fears of a new spike in the number of infections. The World Health Organization says coronavirus outbreaks in some countries have become very serious because they didn't listen to its initial warnings. The WHO says it had been issuing warnings since January and from February calls for testing and quarantining. The BBC's Imogen Folks reports from Geneva. 
Faced with criticism that it has handled the pandemic badly, the WHO has been reminding the world of what actions it took when. Asked about the very large outbreaks in the US and Brazil, a WHO spokeswoman said those warnings had not been seen as serious. One reason, she added, could be that many countries in the Americas and Europe had no memory of the damage a new infectious disease can do. In Africa, which does have recent experience, countries knew that early intervention was effective, she said, and this could be why cases there were not rising so fast. To sports, the Ferrari, for the Ferrari Formula One team has confirmed that its star driver, Sebastian Vettel, will leave when his contract runs out at the end of this year. In a statement, Ferrari said talks had broken down with the four-time world champion, although it said there was no specific reason for the unexpected decision. It's not known who will replace the German driver or whether he intends to continue racing in Formula One. Tianjin Tianhai have quit the Chinese Football League and disbanded. The team's future has been in doubt after Xu Yuhui, owner and founder of the Quanjian Group, which took over in 2015, was arrested on corruption charges. Just three seasons ago, coached by former Italian captain Fabio Cannavaro, the team, then known as Tianjin Quanjian, played in the Asian Champions League. The English Premier League's hopes of restarting its football season in June got a boost from the UK government's published document on how the country will relax its lockdown measures. The plan permits cultural and sporting events to take place behind closed doors for broadcast, but that will not be allowed to start before June the 1st. The Premier League has been suspended for almost two months because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Meanwhile, the league says it has listened to the objections of some clubs to the use of neutral venues if the season resumes and will support them by putting their views to the authorities. More from the BBC's Simon Stone. My understanding is over half the clubs in the Premier League expressed their unease at not getting to complete the season in their own stadium. And therefore, the Premier League are now going back to the government to ask for clarification on this. The government, I assume, will speak to the police and local authorities, and then the Premier League expect to hear whether or not these games that remain in the season, the 92 matches, whether they've got to be played on neutral grounds or whether they can be played at the own home stadiums of the 20 teams. And if they can... That is a significant obstacle removed to completing the, the rest of the Premier League season. The BBC's Simon Stone reporting. A reminder of our top stories tonight. The MTR Corporation and the main contractor are taken to task over the scandal plague shot into Central Rail Link project. Hong Kong may have had its first local COVID-19 case in more than three weeks. And more elderly and self-employed workers stand to benefit from the government's wage subsidy scheme. The news from RTHK. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. An inquiry has concluded that the scandal-plagued shot into Central Rail Link is safe for use, even as it found serious deficiencies in how the MTR Corporation and contractor Leighton managed and supervised the project. It also said the government should have found out about the shoddy work much earlier. The railway has apologised for its past failings, but says the report now clears the way for the project, the most expensive in Hong Kong's history, to be completed in 2022. Jim Gould asked transport expert Dr Hong Wing Tat what he thought of the inquiry's findings. All this 
major players, they all have responsibility. Uh, it is uh, really disappointed that the, uh, especially in the part of MTRC, which um, people will rely on them in carry out the proper job in construction railway projects. I mean, for years, the MTRC has been constructing all these uh, railway projects, but uh, how come we can fail in such an extent? That is really disappointing. So should the responsible people and uh, government officials face penalties for such lapses? I think they would have subsequent uh, even legal actions against especially the contractors. Um, it is not only latent, it is also the um, other uh, contractor who actually uh, cut short the um, rebars, as everybody can remember, that, that, is, the, um, that is the sort of um, misconduct uh, that came out to surface in the media and then uh, the whole incident explode. So that contractor would probably be, uh, would have subsequent legal um, responsibility. So do you think those contractors will be likely to have uh, difficulty getting uh, government projects in the future? Not only the contractor, I think Leighton would probably um, have um, serious consequence. I think government is actually considering um, the subsequent actions um, from what the secretary uh, Fang Chen was saying is that they probably urged the MTRC would take Leighton out of the consultant and uh, contractor list in the future. Mm. Uh, now, the Commission concluded that the Hong Kong Station extension is safe for use. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Uh, it is not surprising. Um, it, it also follows the observation final conclusion. The final conclusion is that it, this sort of malpractice cut short of the rebar uh, for the reason of they can't find uh, uh, suitable number of those bars, those type of bars. So they, they cut short it and change it and they, they conclude that it is not wide scale, which is just 2 to 3 percent of the entire site will have that sort of problem. So once they, um, they can uh, identify where are all those bars and then they have done remedial works and then they also have some loading tests to prove that the slab uh, and the uh, box structure are safe and service purpose. Uh, especially they, they have this, this uh, additional work. Actually, the, the experts, according to this uh, report, the experts uh, were satisfied even without remedial measures. But then with the remedial measure, it would make it safer. And to the, pers uh, to the view of the public, at least you have done something that, that would strengthen it further. So the Commission's conclusion is that uh, it would be safe and serve the purpose. Uh, the Highways Department says that officers will conduct regular visual inspections of the structure. Is that good enough? I don't 
think um, visual inspection is good enough. I mean, the, the main issue is that they lost a lot of those, those site inspection forms. Of course, the um, Leiden and also uh, MTRC uh, was of the view that it is a very tedious work because it's all paperwork. Now, for site inspection, I would think that nowadays you have a lot of um, digital devices, so you don't need a really physical form. You can have the digital form, you can have all these detectors, sensors on the site. So apart from just, uh, you know, uh, site inspection with your own eyes, um, you can quite easily get all those monitoring equipments on site and do it digitally. Uh, I would think that the highway department or actually the engineering profession, the Hong Kong IE, would uh, really like to investigate into um, all these technologies. I mean, inspection monitoring technology put into the site monitoring. I think that would improve the future uh, monitoring work. The government has tweaked a wage subsidy scheme to include tens of thousands more elderly or self-employed workers. Anyone who has an MPF account, even if it's no longer active, will now be eligible for the plan, in which the government will subsidise businesses up to $54,000 per member of staff over a six-month period. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, also announced that businesses will have three weeks to apply for the subsidy, starting on the 25th of this month. Anna-Marie Evans asked the chairwoman of the Confederation of Trade Unions, Carol Ng, what she thought of the changes. It looks like she's uh, responding to those um, different unions or different workers' organizations, uh, what they have been complained earlier on when they try to widen the scope of the people who should get benefits from it. But the actual fact is the core matter now, it's those um, cases like the Fulham Group Holding Limited, then when workers have been placed on the unpaid leave for a period of time, but their employers manipulating their headcounts to apply for the subsidy, it's still unresolved. So I think just get more people eligible to get the subsidy um, or the more employers to get the subsidy doesn't mean the employees will get benefit from it. So is the subsidy going to provide timely relief to both businesses and workers? I mean, the application won't start until later this month. Well, it definitely will, will let some of the employers' um, business um, situations improved, but shall it means to give benefits um, from the employers to the employees is still a question mark. Because when we're asking the government to review the actual operations of these funds, how do they guarantee the workers able to receive these money? It's still no answer. And you can see what happened in this um, um, Sunday a few days ago. And, um, and when workers complaining, they've been placed on unpaid leave and pay cut still. Now you mentioned that the scheme could still be subject to abuse by companies. How do you mean? Um, the, um, the workers have been put on unpaid leave in between um, January to April. Um, the uh, company is still manipulating these headcounts um, to apply for these uh, subsidies. These actual work for these workers have been put on the unpaid leave, been replaced by a cheaper labour.
So um, the um, employer actually able to apply for this sum of money, but the one who actually assisting them to apply for this money cannot enjoy the actual benefits. So it, it doesn't mean the job retention scheme is really helpful and still a f- amount of the people couldn't get benefit from it. And the worst thing is these um, um, workers been uh, a very long time serving in the company, in our case showing, and they have been replaced by a cheaper labor. So they are not um, um, allowed or qualified to the uh, Social Security Assistance Scheme. They can go nowhere but still not receiving any wages. Now, what more can be done to help low-income workers? I think um, the um, unemployed benefit system needs to establish as soon as possible. And for reviewing the, um, the just announcement that the chief executive made, it needs to make sure she better to um, rethink how to make sure the level of the wages that those workers being on unpaid leave or pay cuts, they can maintain a, a guaranteed um, income. So otherwise, the, the money just as a number keep transferring to the employer but how much the employer going to pay back or backfill these um, wages for the workers that no one knows. Now everyone has been affected by the coronavirus pandemic in one way or another. Students, workers, retirees all have had to make sacrifices to observe social distancing and make do with the inconveniences of staying, working and studying at home as best they can. But what do you do when you're an elite athlete who's used to practicing long hours every day to stay fit and sharp? Hong Kong's top golfer Tiffany Chan has been stuck at home for most of the time since she returned from the US more than a month ago. She told Jim Gould what she's been doing. I've been back since late March, I believe, and uh, I've been uh, finished the 14 days quarantine and then do a lot of home workout and then been staying home for a couple more weeks until last week that the golf course is back open. So I've been golfing a lot and been back to the gym for the past week. Yeah, because gyms opened about a week ago, didn't they? So, right. so, yeah. so, 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 okay. So, you've managed to stay fit and focused during this time. Yes, I, which is uh, really hard because it's not easy to do home gym. It's the first time I realized it because it takes a lot of effort when you don't have much equipment. So, um, but it was fun. I, I did try my best to. Uh, do something every day. Now, the Hong Kong Ladies Open, which you won as an amateur in 2016, it's already been postponed twice this year. Um, Have you heard of any new tournament date? Well, I know uh, EFG and the Hong Kong Golf Club is trying really hard to um, fit in a week that uh, can help me and the tour restart back together um, because the LPGA is planning to start in July. So um, we're trying to work really close together but uh, we have high hopes that the tournament can be played for 2020. Um, but it really depends on the schedule because um, it, it relies on everyone's effort. But um, I'm really looking forward to play that tournament this year. And, of course, the Tokyo Olympics has been put back until next year. Um, how's that likely to affect the qualifying process for you? qualification they get a delay for a year so the ranking will um, cancel out for this year and then gonna last till probably July uh, or something like that for next year so um, but then the world ranking right now has stopped so everyone is not uh, moving backwards or forward so it's kind of fair for 
uh, all the golfers in the world, I believe. Finally, let's hear from one coronavirus patient in the Indian city of Kolkata who's been dubbed a miracle man after he spent 38 days on a ventilator before recovering. 52-year-old Neti Das Mukherjee has been speaking to the BBC's Rahul Tandon. At the end of March, um, Nitidas, who was supposed to be staying at home because he had diabetes, he had other health conditions as well, but he's a social worker who works with the poor, so he was out on the streets of Kolkata distributing food, helping people through this extremely difficult time in India as the lockdown begun, and he picked up the disease. He was taken to the nearest big hospital, which was a, a private hospital, and quite soon he had to be put on a ventilator, which of course means that he was in one of those induced comas. His family, his friends were, were praying for him, but given his age, given his other health conditions, many of them and the news that they were seeing didn't think that he was going to come out alive. But he did. He left a few days ago in a wheelchair, waving to the doctors and nurses who had guided him through it. He's back at home. He spoke to me from there. As you can hear, he's very weak at the moment, but this is what he had to say. Of course, I'm extremely thankful to the medical team for their excellent treatment, caring, love that I have received. You were in hospital for, for such a long period of time. Were there moments where you thought you weren't going to come out? I never felt like that I was in a difficult place, though it was really a difficult place. I was having ventilator installed and a lot of pain all through the body but one thing for sure I never felt that I would be in a worse situation any further see I'm, I'm a social worker so hope is the only ray of life for me i never i never lost any hope those stories were part of the news wrap program which was broadcast on rthk early this evening pod harding from our newsroom it's the middle of the night the show's not over there's more it's time for music nostalgia And all the songs you adore Well, special requests For fine old melodies Of records or cassettes We're stirring up old memories You know the timing is right It's what your radio's for with Uncle Ray Cathedral, nostalgic memories for sure. Oh, yes, welcome to the show. This is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to This is the music you'll hear from now until 1 a.m.
That was the beautiful Nadia's theme, played by Johnny Pearson and his orchestra. I love you because you understand it. Every single thing I try to do. 